Welcome to Forging Plowshares, a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom of God. We hope this part of our ongoing conversation stimulates your mind and challenges your heart about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast for a short message about our ministry. Well, happy Father's Day to everybody again. I think that it's arguable that the father-child relationship is the most important relationship there is in that it's through this relationship that God is revealed to us as father and son. And this is the picture then in Romans 8, 12 to 17. Let's read there together. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God and if children heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him and so chapter 8 of Romans may be the culmination of Paul's picture of the gospel and this verse these verses 12 to 17 is the culminating point of chapter 8. The culminating point of the gospel then is found in the name Abba, Father, and the relationship this implies. The realization of God as Father puts right not simply the failure of earthly fathers and mothers, but in Paul's picture, it is the alternative, the answer to the human problem of sin. It complements and teaches a true form of human subjectivity. We're located in the Trinity, in this father-son, father-child relationship. And so just as Christ calls God, Abba, we take up that relationship that Christ has with the Father through the Son and the Spirit. And this relationship then reappropriates and fulfills our order, our understanding of who we are. It's in the Trinity, in the place of the Son, that brings out this cry, Abba, through the Spirit. And so Paul's point is, this is not a law-like relationship. You know, that's the orientation to the law is the human problem. And this is the answer. It's an orientation to God as Father. It's over and against a law-like, a slavery-like relationship opposed then to this interpenetrating kind of subjectivity. So in Kittle's dictionary, he notes, Jewish usage shows how this father-child relationship to God, it far surpasses any possibilities of intimacy assumed in Judaism, introducing something wholly new. 
Now there, there's a sense that to come to this understanding of who God is, we have to realign our own understanding of God in conjunction with our own earthly fathers. I think of my father, he was born in 1911, eight years removed from the first successful flight at Kitty Hawk. It was four years before the first coast-to-coast -coast telephone call. He remembers World War I, he, he was a child, but he remembers they talked about tanks, and of course he had never seen a tank. The only tank he could think of was a big oil tank, and he pictured, you know, a kind of a slit around it, maybe a little seat in there. Uh, he figured that it would just roll over everything. His mother still raced a horse and buggy on the main street in Parsons, Kansas. As a boy, he went down to Oklahoma and met Frank James. I guess you could pay a quarter or something and meet the famous outlaw and shook Frank James' hand. He was among one of the, maybe the second generation of people who learned to fly and was taught to fly. He later, this man that taught him to fly, he taught a whole generation there in Parsons to fly and they discovered the guy had no pilot's license. He owned boats and airplanes and horses and he was the mayor of a small town. He ran a small town newspaper. But the thing that I remember about him was just the stories he told. He lived through the Great Depression. In his telling, the Great Depression was not depressing at all. He had a pretty good time in the Great Depression. In fact, depression is the last word maybe I would associate with my father. He contracted polio as a child, and maybe that just gave him any adversity. He just faced down every adversity with good cheer, but he always suffered the effects of polio all of his life. There were four of us boys, and he, I think he had a high school education, you know, but he always made a good living for us. I remember he was in the nursing home his final years in the nursing home, and he was not completely mentally right, but he was still thinking of ways that he could make a buck, and he told me to bring him the ads from the newspaper, and he was gonna set up a car brokerage dealership there in the nursing home, and uh, I got him off on other subjects, look. And so my brothers and I, we didn't really inherit any money, or but the legacy we inherited from our father was the stories he told very earthy, very grounded in a particular place and people he had known. And because of his own problems with polio, he often told stories about handicapped people. And maybe I should put that in quotes. That is, people who had overcome some adversity in life. And so dad, he would always walk with a limp and he would tell stories about people that he referred to affectionately as gimps. He called himself a gimp. His understanding of the, the word was not somebody who has a handicap in reality, but only in appearance, and somebody who had overcome their handicap. So just, just the, the names he had for people, Peg Highland, Up and Down John, Kraut Cutter Cherry, One-Eyed Johnson, you could tell from their, 
their monikers what their, their problem might have been. He always told a story about a man named Roy Hardman. He was totally blind, and his wife was totally blind. And Roy was a piano tuner. He raised three children, and he owned his own home, never had any help from the state. But the story that my father told that was a little bit unbelievable, that Roy always drove his own car. He, Dad said, I've seen him many times in the 1920s. He'd have one of the children beside him in the seat, telling him when to stop and when to turn. And he taught all the children to drive. They all learned to drive from their blind father. But he said, uh, the second oldest child, Leroy, said that dad always said, now you cannot depend on the other driver avoiding you. He says, there's a lot of drivers don't watch where they're going. He talked about a, a banker, actually he was the president of the bank, Luther Cutlow, who was also, a, I don't know if he had had what his ailment was, but he had a, a built up shoe and he would kind of go up and down when he walked. And he said he'd, if, if he passed 50 women in the street, he would tip his hat and it looked, instead of tipping his hat, it looked like he stepped out from under the hat every time he'd go by. These people really weren't handicapped, but they had each faced adversity. Actually, I said my father was just a high school graduate, but he was a professor in a college uh, when he was 19 years old. And uh, he sold correspondence courses. And one of the guys that worked for him was called One-Eyed Johnson. And One-Eyed Johnson was the salesman that would come. He had a glass eye, but it was uncomfortable for him to wear the glass eye, but whenever he'd call on a prospect, he would pop the eye in to make sure he looked good. But of course, the problem was he usually had pocket fuzz and tobacco crumbs on the eye. And so people would uh, kind of shock him when he, when he opened the door. So my dad told these stories. They, kind of, they were kind of darkly humorous, but he just had a profound appreciation for life and people. He eventually put these together into, a, he wrote letters. He felt he had not corresponded with us enough. He put those together in letters. I don't know if you all remember the show Charlie Chan. And Charlie Chan had some number one, some number two, some number three. So my dad would just write one, two, three, four, and then circle the number as to who the letter was to. And it's one of the most prized books I have in my library. The stories of a small town in Kansas maybe were preparation for realizing the extraordinary in the ordinary. Say in the town of Bethlehem, a child was born and they laid him in a feed trough as the child and his parents were economic and social gimps, not worth notice. That is, the stories that we receive, I think, are shaping us. And ultimately, the story that we receive in Christ. John explains that no one has seen God at any time, but God, the only Son who abides in the bosom of the Father, has made him known or explained him. Both Galatians and this passage that I read in Romans explain the Son is born under the law, so as to deliver the future sons and daughters from enslavement to the law. 
That is, there's the shift from being a slave to being a child of God. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. Who our father is, is of key importance. And we know who our father is through Christ Jesus. The explanation and the adoption accomplished through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. In Paul's explanation, this confronts the human situation in regards to sin and death and the law. The Abba relationship to God. It involves all of the work of Christ, but it must also involve every aspect of our humanity. This is the way we understand who we are. The Abba relationship, the naming of the Father, this is specific to the work of the Son. To erase, evade, or change the name would create danger of falling back into or failing to be extracted from our fatherlessness, our homelessness. Now this is not to occlude the feminine characteristics of God. It's precisely where we encounter the mothering, birthing, nurturing images of God in the Holy Spirit that the Abba relationship is made possible. The Abba relationship though, it must be a fulfillment of every child's earthly concept of mother, father, as the unified source of their individuality. As Paul puts it, for this reason in Philippians 2, 9-11, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is through the Son that the Father is revealed. The Father is almighty. And this position of the Father is extended through the Son to all of us, to all of creation. I believe this is the working principle of the gospel. Namely that God's almighty rule, his work of creation, is grounded in the relation between the Father and the Son, which is the means of understanding who God is in relationship to us and to creation. As Origen puts it, as no one can be a father without having a son, nor a master without possessing a servant, so even God cannot be called omnipotent unless there exist those over whom he may exercise his power. And therefore that God may be shown to be almighty, it is necessary that all things should exist. In John 1.10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. Here is the purpose of history. Here is the purpose of father-son, father-child relationship. Here is the purpose of creation. 
Through the Son, we know the Father. And through the Father-Son relationship, we understand ourselves and the world. We are the children of God, and God is our Father. And this is the story in which we are all included. Forging Plowshares is a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom by providing in-depth, transformative biblical and theological education and discipleship. If you have found this podcast valuable, please remember to share on social media. If you have questions about what you've heard, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can get involved with Forging Plowshares or even support this ministry financially, please visit our website, forgingplowshares.org.